Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host, Robert Washburn, and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. For those who may not realize, farmers deal with a great deal of uncertainty every day. The changing weather, commodity prices, pests, and diseases are only a few of the pressures. They also rarely get a day off. Livestock must be tended, crops planted or harvested or monitored, equipment to fix, the list is long. It can be a very stressful life. Add to the mix a global pandemic, and it only makes things worse. Plus, there is a stigma around getting help. For generations, farmers like to see themselves as fiercely independent. You're going to hear about some new funding announced recently for farmers. Some of the money is going towards innovation. Another chunk of money is going towards mental health. Here is that story. I'm so pleased to have with me today Mark DeYoung, President of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, and Sid Atkinson, past President of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. Thank you very much for being here, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here. Our pleasure. We spoke in the spring just as the growing season was starting. And can you give us an update on how this year went and where the various sectors are standing? Sid, let's start with you. Well, as far as the cropping goes, it uh, started off dry. Crop went in in good conditions. It stayed dry till the middle of June, and then the rain started, and it's just been lush and growing ever since, and now it's turned into a very tricky harvest. Combines are sitting. Frustration is setting in, and a lot of farmers trying to get soybeans done. And... At least there's a good crop out there and a decent price. Mark, from your perspective, how would you characterize this past season? Very similar to SIDS. It was uh, a very good, great spring to get crops in the ground. The, uh, the drought uh, that we had uh, through uh, May, June was concerning. And then the rains came and it turned out to be a very... Um, prosperous crop. Uh, however, the rains haven't stopped uh, here for harvest and it's been uh, extremely frustrating to for the farmers to get the, the soybeans off. Soybeans normally are off at this time of year. Uh, the processors or the end users elevators have increased the moisture content allowable for shipping for certain um, identity preserved soybeans so that they could be harvested at a wetter moisture without uh, consequences so I would say that, you know, industry is working with us. What about on the livestock side? Any comments uh, or any indication of how that's going right now? Maybe, Sid, you'd start off with that? Well, on the livestock side, we're dairy here. And it has been a tremendous harvest of uh, forages. And everything seemed to come off in peak condition. But... Uh, with our, my herd and a lot of uh, farmers I've talked to, 
we have all kinds of feed, but it is not as nutrient dense and the cows just aren't doing as well on it as we'd expect them to. And it's a real ironic thing that in a dry droughty year, you don't get a lot of feed, but boy, do the cows ever milk on it. In the year like this, when there's all kinds of lush growth to harvest, the cows just seem to be in a situation, I can't eat enough of this stuff to really get the nutrients I need. So it's, it's a strange situation. Mark, how about you? Well, I would say that I've been talking mostly about hogs in the past, and I would continue to do that. Um, the hog market uh, this year was stellar, um, you know, compared to the disasters that we had last year because of the COVID uh, plant processing shutdowns. Uh, there was, um, it was poised to be a, a, a great uh, prices for hogs last year, and it turned out to be a disaster. This year was just the opposite. Um, it, it turned out uh, really well. Uh, Price-wise, and uh, the volume seemed to be um, being able to to be processed in a timely manner. Um, there's still a huge concern of the uh, African swine flu that's spreading around the world, and we are concerned in trying to take as many pre um, steps to to uh, ensure that the, this disease does not enter into Canada or into the U.S. Um, as possible. So. We just hope for the best um, with the protocols that we have in place. We're seeing higher prices for food in grocery stores. Uh, what are the contributing factors to these rising prices? Mark, maybe you could let us know. Well, I think uh, there's there's the input costs of, um, of fuel, of course. Uh, everyone that goes through a, a gas tank, they know that, uh, or the fuel pumps to fill their cars, the, the, our tractors are also getting fueled up at the same um, there's the cost of transportation to move feed around and livestock um, and grains. There's um, a shortage uh, in, in the world because of the COVID uh, processing. And uh, also uh, there's been some uh, weather events around the world that, that have caused some shortages. So I would say that, uh, you know, there's uh, an increase uh, in, the, in the grocery stores, mainly because of su supply has been low um, due to transportation and uh, the COVID has, has a huge factor in, in what's been going on as well, so. Sid, maybe you could tell us how much of this money that we're paying extra is finding its way to farmers? Simple answer, not enough. You wouldn't believe the way our costs have gone up. The price of fertilizer for next year in a lot of cases has doubled. The availability even of seed. I had a seed dealer telling me about the drought in the west and that's where a lot of the grass seeds and such are sourced. He says it's really going to have an impact and not just yet next year, the year after. He says get your seed ordered quickly. Uh, it, it's a little bit scary out there and go to the machinery dealers and look at the inventories that they're carrying in their lots. They just can't get product. And then wait times for repairs and or parts and such. Frustration here. So costs are way up. Being able to meet planting and harvest deadlines because of parts and, and that kind of stuff. It's, it's not easy game here right now. So Mark, will we see 
a drop in food prices or are these higher prices here to stay considering that what you guys have just told me? I think that food prices, they may, they may level off at some point, but not, they'll never go back down to where they were. We've never, nobody ever sees anything go down. They kind of, we get used to it and then it stays at those levels. There may be some, uh, you know, sales on, on product to, uh, for, for uh, the grocery stores for them to bring in customers. But uh, I think the, this, these prices may be here to stay. Mark, the federal and provincial governments have jointly contributed to a, a total of $10.2 million to the Canadian Agricultural Partnership to help farmers. And Sid was just describing some of the, the financial challenges and other challenges that uh, farmers are facing. The program is to help farmers become more sustainable and competitive. Mark, how do you respond to the announcement? Well, I think we thank the government for um, supporting and continuing to support agriculture uh, with their funding. Um, we have, uh, our farm has definitely taken advantage of that um, program over the years uh, in different aspects uh, through technology of um, GPS um, tracking and yield monitoring and uh, planting. I would say that the, the trouble we're having with this program is, is we've asked them to give us a much larger window to enter into this program, uh, enter into uh, the availability of this program. And they've gave, they give us a, um, the announcement on October the 20th, and we have to have it all submitted in by December the, the 6th. But, you know, that's a six week window. That's a pretty small window to do your uh, investigation, your research uh, development for, for a program. Um, in, in lieu of the fact that, you know, this is this is harvest season. Uh, our focus is on harvest and not on next year's projects. Uh, normally our projects are, are uh, thought about and worked on throughout January, February and, and March when we're not able to be in the fields. Um, I, I would say that the government's not listening in that part uh, of the of the program. It's it's really frustrating that way. Back to you, Mark. It's it's not unusual for governments to announce funding programs such as these. Can you tell listeners just how much these various funding programs assist farmers directly, and maybe give us some examples of of your experience with them? Well, the programs um, have there there's a cap of about ten thousand dollars on some projects and twenty on others, depending on which project you're going to go with. Um, each of these projects are not only helpful to the farmer in in adapting new technology to make the um, our farming practices more efficient and more environmentally sustainable. Uh, it also helps the general public because of the fact that it is environmentally sustainable. It uh, really increases the ability for us to sequester carbon, um, to stop soil erosion, to put our nutrients in place um, where it's needed. Most, uh, when we go across a field, and especially in Northumberland County, we have such variability in, in land, we can go from gravelly knolls to lush um, swamp soil, you might say, um, to some very moderate soil. So those types of soils, they 
yield differently. And with technology, we are able to map those different soils as we go across them uh, with, with yield. And then we can also, then for the, the next season, we are able to go in with the technology of fertilizer to um, zone those areas and put uh, the nutrient on in those areas at a higher or lower rate, depending on the soil type. Now, have you applied for and done any of these projects in the past? Yes, we've tried to take advantage each year with it. Um, it's some of the years we, we're right at the edge of the window to, to get in on it because of the lag of time of, of getting quotes and, and getting uh, all the pricing in order. Uh, and then the, the paperwork at one time was so intense that that in itself took too much time uh, out of our lives to, to get that done. And even the one comment I got really quite angry with was the fact that the, the, the lady at the, or the person at the, at the uh, office said, well, don't you think you should do some paperwork for this money? I said, well, I'm doing the, I'm doing the work for the project. Why should my paperwork be so, so intense? So, you know, um, it's not, it's not an easy program where you just say, Hey, I need some money. You have to do a lot of jump through a lot of hoops to get there. Sid, I, I know the mental health of farmers is a big concern for you. Can you tell us how you became interested in this aspect? Um, and, and maybe we could talk a little bit about a, a new government program, but first tell us how, uh, you got interested in mental health and farmers. Oh, that's a, a long story, Robin Hood. I must say, and I will admit that I have questioned my own mental health at some times. And uh, I've actually had someone say, Sid, this isn't you, what's going on? Which was a bit of a wake up call to me. And uh, our federation two years ago got involved in a project with mental health and we've now got a counselor that we can uh, give four free sessions for our members for mental health. The frustration to me is the uptake has not been there. And I do know the need is there. This COVID thing has really stressed a lot of people and they just aren't themselves. We can see it. The, uh, thing that people need to know with mental health, mental health doesn't necessarily mean mental illness. Mental health is taking care of yourself. Mental health is having a coffee with a friend. Mental health is having that conversation to sort things out. But mental health that not addressed can lead to mental illness. And that's some connection there that people just don't get. There's a stigma there, perhaps, that people think, oh, he needs mental health. He's not too good. Watch out for this guy. But that's not necessarily the case. There's a big disconnect there of people that need help, that need that conversation, that need to have that reach out and have a coffee with. And it's just not happening especially with this COVID thing going on. People are living in fear and the fear part is hard on your mental health. So the need is there without a doubt, 
but the uptake on this program is very frustrating. And mental health for our program, the fundraising part was easy. But uh, trying to lead that horse to water, get him to take a drink is, is, is a bit of a stretch. The Ontario government recently announced that it has committed $835,000 to expand what is known as the I Know program. Are you familiar with that program? And can you tell me what a difference this funding may or may not make? Robert, the funding, if you can't get the people to the program, it's, it's yes, it's just platitudes, really. I'm with our own program, with our own people. That's where I'm coming from. We've had this up and running for two years and it's a good program. It's modeled after other counties that have had some success with it. But uh, as far as the outreach, the promotion of it and uh, getting people to take it on and say, hey, this can help me, this will help me and having that conversation, I, I'm kind of at a loss there. I know in Quebec, they have a program where if you're concerned for your neighbor, here's a hotline you can call and they will reach out to them. Now it seems to work in Quebec, but there is a bit of a culture disconnect between Quebec and Ontario. And uh, I'm just not sure if it can be bridged that way. So I encourage the government to be there for us. And I see a lot of companies that are talking about mental health, but please show me how it works to get the people to that need it. And like I say, I needed it myself. I had a friend say to me, Sid, this isn't you, what's going on? And I had to take a step back and have a hard look at myself. I was through a um, lost a brother and my dad and my mom all in 13 months. And yeah, that really stresses you on mental health. And uh, I was in an accident that uh, they told me I'd never work again. I'd always be just disabled. Think that doesn't play with your head? But I had a support network. I had those people that would come for coffee and have that conversations with me. That gets you through a lot. But uh, there's not everybody that has that network of friends and neighbors and relatives that, that will reach out and uh, pick you up when you're down. So getting uh, the ball rolling and the wheels turning and getting the people to understand that, you know, this mental health thing and mental illness aren't necessarily the same but one can lead to the other and uh, address your mental health before it becomes worse. Mark, as president, can you paint us a picture based on your experience and the farmers you know? What are all the challenges facing farmers in their daily lives? Could you share your experience? Well, as farmers, we're not just industry people or, or people that just farm the land. We're also people that, that live just like anyone else. 
We have the personal issues of, of families and, and spouses and children and all, all those aspects that come into, into our lives as well. So, and we're entrepreneurs of our, of our own business, right? So it's, um, that, that part becomes a, 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 a factor that, you know, we can't just, uh, you know, we're going to take the day off for a mental health day. We still have to go out to that barn, feed that livestock, uh, take care of it, milk those cows, uh, go to the field, take care of that work. And, you know, it's a type of situation where, you know, the weather comes into the, in, in all these other diseases that, and that we were talking about uh, that you mentioned that, you know, it all starts to compile. And when you don't have someone that can step into your role to um, take your place in that job that has to be done, um, that, that that's an extra weight that comes on. Um, you know, I had a, a farmer that called me two weeks ago and he was almost in tears uh, and he was standing in front of his cows and he did not want to feed them. And I talked to him for 30 minutes before he actually said, okay, I got to go. I got to feed these cows. You know, it's, but he, you know, they didn't want to phone that hotline. Uh, they felt like they wanted to phone someone they could trust. And that's to me was um, heart wrenching uh, to the fact that, you know, there's, there's this person's not only his, his personal, his livelihood, everything is, is, is all on the line when, uh, when you're, when your mind's not right. So I really encourage people to to reach out and talk to someone. There's these hotlines uh, for for farmers to to talk to. Please do it. I'd like to shift gears now, and and I'd like to talk about some of the positives in agriculture right now. Sid, let's start with you. Are there any initiatives um, that are going on right now that you feel? Uh, represent some of the more positive aspects of farming positive aspects of farming I like going forward well personally my is my family and my grandchildren are farming here with me well my grandchildren are little boys oldest of them are six but uh, you wouldn't believe the motivation they give me to keep going and the other part is there is a tremendous crop out there. If we just get a window to get it harvested, this is the possibly the best yielding crop of corn that I've ever, well, it started the harvest and uh, yields are amazing. And everybody's will, not that ours is special or anything. There is a tremendous crop out there and a fairly positive price, but we need that price because our inputs are going up, up, up. And it just seems to be that when that farmer gets a break, up goes all the input costs too. So you roll with the bunches, you keep your head up, you'll be back next year. Mark, is it all really bleak? I mean, are there any initiatives from the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture or local commodity organizations that are coming up as we transition from harvest to winter? I, I guess the, um, due to COVID, uh, we don't have these in-person uh, meetings for, um, for education. Uh, a lot of uh, industry, uh, industries, they do the informative meetings, tell us what's going on that's coming up new. Um, agriculture is quite exciting and, and always innovative. And 
I think that's what keeps a lot of the um, a lot of us in agriculture is because it's ever changing. We need uh, to be back in person to do these meetings because we have the social aspects because we talk to each other and we we bounce ideas off because always with new technologies, there's always a, a little tweak uh, or a situation where, you know, somebody's experience with the technology uh, as they tried it, um, you know, this is what we could have done better. And then we try to build on what that person said, you know, what was better or what they didn't like about it. So, you know, without those interactions, um, it's very difficult for us to adopt um, a lot of this um, these programs and, and uh, technology that come that come up. So we just had a new cabinet announced uh, at the federal government level and a, a new minister of agriculture at the federal level. We also have a provincial election on the horizon where I'm sure uh, political parties will be wooing farmers to vote. If you could sit down with those people and you could give them a message what would that message be? Sid, I'll start with you. It's going to be different for different commodities, without a doubt. In the dairy world, this whole business of global trade, and, and we're seeing hiccups now with global trade, with thousands and thousands and thousands of cargo containers not able to dock and get unloaded. That, that's one of the hiccups. Now I get it. We are a trading nation and sometimes dairy gets traded off for other commodities, but to keep the mentality that we got to keep our country, our farmers all going and nobody needs to be traded off without seeing a significant benefit to somebody else. There's a lot of frustration there. The rest of it, I believe they're trying. They wanna get the infrastructure out there to make sure that our processing plants are competitive. You've seen them lean over backwards to try and make sure that the temporary foreign workers got into the country and everybody was kept safe that way. That's all encouraging. Uh, it's kind of a business as usual, but this, this whole thing, this uh, bottom of the iceberg, if you will, of getting the product moved, getting the, like they talk about a shortage of 80,000 truckers in the States. You know, they're taught that this thing's gonna happen in Canada to a lesser extent, but getting those people into those trades that we need and you talk to any uh, of our equipment dealers and trying for those guys to find those mechanics and techs that they need. And there seems to be an underlying shift for get those kids into university and not into trade schools. And uh, it's where the careers are and where the money really is. Like those are high paying jobs if you get them kids focused on the trades, working with your hands, working with your head. It's a rewarding life, really. That's a focus to me, perhaps, that governments of all levels could be is, let's get these 
young people stream to where these careers need to be. Like, how many communications experts do we need? Oh, we got one in front of us here. Mark, how about you? Well, I definitely <clears throat> agree with Sid. Um, I just would add that um, the food that's being imported into into Canada, un, into Ontario, you know, it needs to meet the same requirements that we as farmers here um, have to adhere to. Um, quite often, or most often, that the you know they're using products in the U.S. and around the world that we're not allowed to use here. And they're allowed to be imported and sold in in our grocery stores, um, which is, just blows my mind that uh, you know the products that they're using are, are cheaper and uh, you know they're they're effective for what they're trying to do with the product, but it's 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 not a fair playing field for us as as farmers to to be producing the food uh, here in Ontario uh, with with those limitations or restrictions. Uh, and the restrictions for the most part are, are well-founded, um, you know, and this may be why, you know, Ontario and Canadian food is priced a little bit more than, than some of our uh, imports because of the fact that, you know, we are held to a very high standard. Canada is probably the, the safest food source in the world when it comes to the standards that we're, we have to adhere to. So I think that um, that would be my, my message to any politician is, you know, these, these foods that are coming across the border have to be um, screened and our protocols have to be met. Mark DeYoung, Sid Atkinson, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. That was Mark DeYoung, President of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, and Sid Atkinson, the past president. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.